I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Guys, I got a new segment for the, uh, oh shit, my phone goes, hey. one second. Is this, hello? Hey, Jeremy, Riggins, Volkswagen. Hey. Hey, just call and show the vehicle's ready. Awesome, thank you so much. You're welcome, thank you. Bye. Bye. Seven, seven, I prepped, I, so, so, I, so I planned that. <laughs> hey, I know. I planned that. You guys know why I got to call me during the show? Because your car's all fucked up. My car is sick. And I took my car to the car doctor. And the car doctor just called. My car is all better. Uh, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> okay, right, anyway. So let's start so I, here. <laughs> I got a new segment for the show, okay? Ask a mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> segment is called, Did You Know? Okay. <laughs> it's like that. You got to say that. Did you, know? Did you know? Can you say, can we say, can we, can we go, Did you know? 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 You're not a good maritimer, you know. Do you know? <laughs> like that? Don't do it. Just don't do it. Yeah. Okay. Just don't do it at all. Okay, so did you know? Uh is my tongue black? No. <laughs> no. Okay. The underside of it looks a little darker though. Let's lift your tongue up. Let me see the underside. It's got a lot of blueness going on there. Well, did you know that my tongue was black not long ago? Your tongue. Your was tongue. Black. My tongue was black. No. And I'm talking black. You didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, didn't. I didn't yeah I, I didn't not know <laughs> okay all right okay. stop trying um yeah my tongue was black a little while ago and guess what else was black my shit oh did oh, you know not, my shit that's, was that's black? not good right black poop is not good no that's okay. like sometimes zaya has black poops and i go oh my god and then i realize she just had a lot of blueberries so <laughs> i also know that black poop is bad and brian do you know why black poop is bad I do not know. Okay, so did you know black poop means you have blood in your bowels? Oh. That is blood. That is sh- that's, sh- your- that's shit blood. Okay, now that you that's mentioned it, I feel like I've heard that before. That's, I said, it sounds familiar to me. Yeah. But did you know? That's not what I had. It wasn't blood. What was it? <laughs> well, wouldn't you know? <laughs> I had a black tongue and I had black poop. Huh? And I was panicking and I thought, okay, there's something wrong. I probably have to go to the fucking doctor. And then I looked it up. Um, I looked up. I looked up. I just had a thought. I went, wait a minute. Does Pepto-Bismol make your, your shit black and your tongue black? And did you know? It does. <laughs> no. Okay. Wait, hold on. Wait, how does pink liquid? was this week's edition of, did you know? I don't mean to. No, no, no. I don't want to shame you or anything, but like. 
What are you taking Pepto Bismol for? What's I, the, what's I, had, the, I had really bad heartburn. I, I ate a, I when I eat pizza that has jalapenos on it, it's like a guaranteed heartburn problem for me. Does so, I feel like Pepto Bismol is a product? I could be wrong about this. I probably am, but I feel I can already tell you are based on the way you're coming into this. Coming in way too hot, way like, too judgmental. I feel like Pepto Bismol is a product that's really just masking an issue that you could. <laughs> that you need to I resolve. Feel like, no, I feel no, like, no, no, dude, I dude. feel like by the time Pepto Bismol quote unquote works, you just got better because of time. Uh, uh, okay, as someone who has like unfortunately, uh, someone who has been dealing with, um, I guess you've got CF though, so maybe that's your pass. Yeah, but well, but so uh, as a part of the CF, uh, I have to take Omeprazole, and Omeprazole is because of the it's like I think it's called GERD, but it's the it's like sometimes the inability for the sphincter in your esophagus to close correctly. And so it causes really bad heartburn. Now, if I take the omeprazole, it does its, it does the job and I don't get heartburn unless I have like, there's a couple of things that I've noticed in particular, Domino's pizza with the jalapenos on it, okay. where it, and especially like maybe closer to nighttime where I will get into bed after having done that, whatever, a couple hours before. We only really eat Domino's pizza at like 11. Yeah, who's eating fucking Domino's pizza in the day? Yeah. You know, nobody. Oh, yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Late night Domino's pizza, jalapenos. I go to bed and it's really intense heartburn. Now, the omeprazole isn't like a fast acting thing. You, you, you take the omeprazole and it, it's like a, you know, I guess, I don't know if it's slow release, but it's like it takes forever for it to actually do anything. But either a chew tablet of Pepto-Bismol or a little cup of Pepto works within 10 minutes. Gone. Done. Fully done. Pepto saved me as a uh, as a adolescent. I was like 14, 15 years old, and I really didn't. I would go out and hang out with friends, and oftentimes girls that I wanted to be friends with, and I would uh, I would hold in my farts. And, and you I, would take Pepto Bismol. I, I would that? take I would take Pepto Bismol because after several hours of holding in gas, I would feel so sick, and I'd have such a tummy ache. And you guys know how deadly a tummy ache can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I take Pepto Bismol for my. I feel like okay, my so wait, body so has never and it worked and it worked. Yeah. So what's this fucking guy I, doing over here? Like I as know, soon as I bring up Pepto Bismol, it, yeah. just immediately shits on it. Like yeah. well, no, because I said it's a it was a it's a problem that you can that you can solve on your own, and which I could have solved on my own. I could have just gone I by could've... farting. Yes. But, but, but yeah, yeah, right. right. But but if you didn't fart, because I was just insecure. If you well, didn't fart, which I don't blame my adolescence. But you weren't you weren't you weren't getting a sore tummy. Oh my God. Because you were still holding in the fart and like drinking, the, sore drinking the, the Pepto-Bismol during the time that you were holding in the fart. You were Terminally. taking it afterwards, right? Yes. So then the fart, like just farting afterwards wasn't helping, obviously. No. Right. So because then the, why were you coming in so hot on Jer? Because I, okay. Right. But I was 15. Here's a couple of things I don't get. So one, I want to share my Pepto-Bismol story. Okay. One, I don't understand really why you guys. i move on from this. No, no, but, no. Yeah, we got to right, stay with this. Right. Because no, I, I have a couple, you, I have a couple on, frustrations you know? about. I have a couple frustrations <laughs> about one. Your guys' bodies don't work well if you're if like you're holding in farts and you have to take Pepto Bismol or like I mean Jerry you have CF so like I understand why your jalapeno um, hey, dominoes hurts your belly. This is almost two decades but, ago, okay? But but I want to say I ne I've never felt the need or have taken Pepto Bismol in my life for anything that I felt it was going to make better except. Once when I felt like I had really bad stomach cramps and I drank almost an entire bottle of Pepto-Bismol. Probably not the recommended. Not though. supposed to do that. I actually watched a video the other day on the internet that said one man <laughs> drank an entire bottle of Pepto-Bismol and this is what it did to his spleen. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, spoiler alert, it didn't end well. So I, I'm probably exaggerating, but but the the thing is that it didn't do anything, and also it didn't do anything because I had an appendicitis and had to have my appendix removed at the hospital. Should have drank some Pepto Bismol so and fix that right up. That was the only time I did drink Pepto Bismol <laughs> and it didn't fix that. But the other thing I don't get Still is, surgery. and this is a question for you, Jer, and like this also really interests me from like a design perspective. So like I love mixing colors. Like I've I've been recently getting into painting, and I love like mixing my own paints and getting a cool color. And there's one thing that I do know, and that's pink mixed with its own self makes more pink. So mm -hmm. I don't understand how pink Pepto-Bismol makes black in your poop and on your tongue. That's actually a good question. I will look that up. Before I do, here's a little stat. More than 60 million Americans experience heartbeat burn at least once a month, and more than 15 million experience it each day. Wow. Does Pepto-Bismol um, make them better? Though? Uh, guys, I, I mean, I think it, I think it does. I, like, Pepto-Bismol does really work. So... Uh, one common side effect is your poo or your tongue turning black. This is harmless. This happens when bismuth, the active ingredient in this medicine, comes into contact with small amounts of sulfur in your saliva and your digestive system. They combine to form bismuth sulfide, a black substance. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? interesting? Now we uh, know. I, I don't mean to sound elitist. Dude, you do. You, I mean, it, the funny Just thing the is, way that's you open your mouth. all you ever sound. <laughs> but go on. I don't mean to sound elitist, but I've never had heartburn in my life. I've. I, I also don't mean to sound elitist. I've never had a brain freeze. I don't know what that means. Oh man, dude, no, that's a, interesting. I just yeah. be last night and had a brain freeze. It feels so good, and I fucking love. Do you know I don't like that they word. Have, you also don't want to be saying. I mean, we're in Canada, so it's all good. But definitely don't say. Why? In the UK. Why? It is that an offensive I, term in the yeah. UK? <laughs> what, that's what do the UK call You get in a hot water. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. There you go. See? Okay. Wait, what's wrong with what, Dude, <laughs> don't say that. No, that's gonna, what it's I'm called. Gonna, I'm going to have to go and also, back and bleep all this out. It's a, it's a, did you know that at the gas station they have cream soda flavored now? You got to stop saying it. Jerry, I feel like you're a cream soda fan. Dude, you're making the editing of this episode. So, and I am. So hard. Uh, if you say if you say one more time, right. let's move on. I don't um, think there's anything wrong with. It rhymes with mush guppy. Okay, <laughs> say that. <laughs> and that is this week's edition of Did You Know? All right. Uh, this is an obituary that I'd love to read to you guys. This was sent in to us from uh, our friend Jill over on the Discord. And uh, she she literally just sent this to us and said, I really want to hear Jeremy read this. And I thought it was very funny. It's an obituary that was uh, written by an AI, apparently. I mean, I, you know, ChatGPT didn't write this because it does a pretty good job of writing stuff. Uh, so I think this is an AI, an AI with a bit of a, um, an uh, intelligence deficiency. Okay. Okay. Uh, so here's the obituary. Uh, Brenda Tent retired from living at the age of old, <laughs> surrounded by family and natural causes. A librarian from birth, Brenda was an avid collector of dust. She had a sweetheart and married her high school. She loved having hobbies and helping her sons to be disadvantaged youths. She had no horses, but she did. The church gave her a choir because like Bird and looked like Bird, but Brenda was, she owed us so many poems. The funeral will be held in 1977 at Heaven. In flowers, send Brenda more life. 
Well, wow. I think the uh, the the picture of Brenda was also AI generated. I think. <laughs> I hope it did look like that. Did it not? Pick that up again. It did sort. Yeah, it did kind of. That wasn't uh, a. F- yeah, there, there's, there's something going on. Something there. happening. Yeah, it, either there. that, or it was like a um, could um, be a uh, misprint. Like it looks like she has no nose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it looks like she has eyes that belong on somebody else's head. Yes. It does, yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, there you go, Jill. Hope you enjoy that. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Electric band aids? <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this is from Stina. Stina's picking up a producer of the week credit uh, today. Northwestern engineering researchers have developed a first of its kind small, flexible, stretchable bandage that accelerates healing by delivering electrotherapy directly to the wound site. This is actually super fucking cool. So um, in an animal study, the new bandage healed diabetic ulcers 30% faster than in mice uh, without the bandage. Oh, that's 30% that's faster. Lot. Yep. Specifically diabetic ulcers, which kind of comes into play as to why this could be like really important, especially for people with diabetes. Uh, the, band- the bandage also actively monitors the healing process and then harmlessly di- dissolves electrodes and all, into the body after it's no longer needed. So, so well, why I'm wouldn't pl- you I'm just gonna, take it off? I'm, I'm, str- I'm struggling to like, picture Because you can't. So, so I'll show you a video here, and you can kind of capture... A, this is the Band-Aid. And see that little thing in the center of the circle? It's like a little mm-hmm. sort of... A, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing that rests on the wound. And then the wound heals over top of that thing, and then it just does, it dissolves into the body after it's, after it's done the healing. What is it made of that it dissolves? It looks like because like for people who aren't can't see this, it looks like a like a almost it's thin like a piece of paper in a strip. Honestly, and there's it looks like, like little like electrodes. Out, it looks that, like, like a stretched out chip on your debit card yeah, with like yeah. a little with yeah. like a little hoop on the end. <clears throat> it's yeah. gotta be a metal. I'm assuming. So it have to be a metal. Yeah. So so the bandages. Um. Uh. The research was published uh in February 22nd uh in the journal Science Advances. And it marks the first bioresorbable bandage capable of delivering electrotherapy um, and the first example of a smart regenerative system. So uh, nearly, this is why it's kind of big for people with diabetes, nearly 30 million people in the U.S. have diabetes. And 15 to 25% of that population develop a diabetic foot ulcer at some point. And because diabetes can cause nerve damage, that leads to numbness and people with diabetes might experience a simple blister or a small scratch that goes unnoticed and untreated, which again can lead to things like, you know, an infection, a, an infection that leads to, you know, losing your foot. Yep. Um, the researchers were curious to see if electrical stimulation therapy could help close these stubborn wounds. And according to Guillermo A. Amir, who co-led the study, uh, injuries can disrupt the body's normal electrical signals. By applying electrical stimulation, it restores the body's normal signals attracting new cells to migrate to the, wounded be- uh, to the wound bed. He said, quote, our bodies rely on electric signals to function. We tried to restore, our, uh, we tried to restore or promote a more normal electrical environment across the wound. We observed that cells rapidly migrated into the wound and regenerated skin tissue in the area. The new skin tissue included new blood vessels and inflammation was subdued. Um, so historically, clinicians have actually used electrotherapy um, for healing, but most of the time that equipment is like big fucking bulky, you know, machines that like aren't um, viable to like have have at home or whatever. Um, Man, I want I want that for canker sores. Dude, like if they can make those for your mouth, 
That would be yeah. really. And that like, would be something. I find canker sores are the most. So I don't I know what it is. Zits on my, my taint. Have my, you ever had a zit on your taint? Yeah, and you know what? Like really bad tummy aches. Here, well, so I, I'm glad you brought up tummy aches because I was thinking about how weak your bodies are when it Put comes to like. Put that in a bottle of Pepto. <laughs> you, when you guys like are complaining about tummy aches, my body's weak when it comes to like mouth <laughs> stuff. Like, like I find my dentist asked me um, last time I was there, like if I bite my. Um, cheeks a lot because like he could see that there was like scarring on the inside of my mouth on my cheek and uh and i do i bite like i bite my cheek and my it's a sex thing for you right uh, well, i guess so, yeah i just do it like while i'm like while i'm having sex i'm just chewing on the side of my mouth uh, how I'm, aggravating is it to I remember be you told me that. chewing on something like like having like a really good sandwich or something and then you bite your cheek and dude you're, it's you're just like uh, it's so frustrating like, because because the thing that i find most frustrating about it is that when you when I bite my cheek like that, I feel dumb that I did it mm-hmm. because my own body bit itself. Right. But also, it doesn't feel like I could have been more aware to avoid it. You know, yeah, like totally. if you stub your toe and you're like, "Fuck, I should have saw that," or I was trying to go too fast, or whatever I did, like I should have been paying more attention. When I'm chewing, yeah. it's not like I'm like, it's not like I think like oh, I should have been paying more attention to that chew. It's not like you're you know? going. It's not like you're chewing and going up, down, up, down. Right. Up, down. Like it's just something that you do so subconsciously that it's so frustrating when you. But then my issue is that whenever I bite my cheek, which is like fairly frequently, like I'd say once every like six weeks or I don't know two months or so. That's, and is it one giant chomp? Some oftentimes, yeah, it's like a and. But then when you bite it, dude, like for the next three days, like I'm likely to bite it like. Yes. Do that again swollen. because it's swollen. Right? Okay. So you're not it's habitually a, like no, no, like compulsively like no, 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 no. Like you're like, like eating a meal and then go yeah, oh, fuck yeah, or like even chewing a piece of gum or something. Um, but don't chew gum. But uh, I don't oftentimes chew, chew gum. But use mints. But anyway, Pepsi. So, so the point that I'm Mentos making. Mentos better, man. Okay, <laughs> you guys, it's so hard to fucking make a point. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that those bites oftentimes turn into canker sore. I mean, yeah. almost every fucking mine time. haven't been, and then they take like two weeks to fucking heal. Yeah, and I so mean, if my canker sores could get better thirty percent faster, yeah, I would be all over. You got to you have a yeah. particularly rough go with cankers. I mean, yeah, I hate cankers, I and is. I get them, I get them relatively often, but. You're on that another level. Suck, well, yeah. in terms of the uh, disappearing mechanism, uh, when the wound is healed, the little flower-shaped electrode that's in the, in the center of that little circle, um, it simply dissolves into the body, bypassing the need to retrieve it. The team made the electrodes from a metal called molybdenum, uh, which is widely used in electric and semiconductor applications. They discovered that when molybdenum is thin enough, it can biodegrade. I don't. I don't like that. Can Even I see though how that word is spelled, M O L Y B Molly B D E N U M denim Molly B denim. It's a weird hi- word. Can you highlight it for? Or can I? Yeah, I yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were looking at it. Um, I'm really curious about like how you guys feel about something. Like I understand that if I if if they tell me oh well it's biodegradable and it's just gonna like dissolve and go away. I I understand that, but there's still something like irrational about that uh, Dude, yeah. that I feel about that like like having a metal dissolve into my body Fucking and go, nah, that's fine donut shit bags yeah but you that, got that, that says biodegradable on there and like I don't feel comfortable just taking his poop bag after he pooped in it f- throw it in the woods like swinging it around like this until it gets enough centrifugal force and then whipping it into the woods I don't do that 
Uh, I don't do. I that. don't think yeah. you should either. I, that I mean yeah. that feels weird to me too. But I mean, you. you, you I don't do your that. Your body is. You got a. You got a lot of metal in your body, and there's a. There's a. There's. You got a lot of plastic you, in your body you, too. I know, but it's, and you need. A I'm lot. not telling you that. Like yeah. I, I'm saying, like I, I understand that it's kind of irrational. There are to metals think that in your way. body that are absolutely like necessary, and so whatever the metal is made of is probably such an insignificant amount that it, it is of no consequence to your. But you don't think like you you guys would be like totally cool with putting that bandaid on you and just watching it sort of over time dissolve into your body well i did I cocaine once do you think i fucking care to have molly be denim <laughs> i don't in me? i don't have a reason to but i but if there's unless once, there's a reason once. unless there's a reason to for it to be for it to make me feel that way i'm not gonna yeah. feel that way yeah yeah i mean like right. yeah, yeah it, it, to me this is really no different than like when uh, uh speaking of maui we were just talking about the beauty of maui and uh, i got a maui tattoo when i was in maui and um it's uh basically a uh what do you call it the fucking spiky thing. Urchin. I stepped on a sea urchin. And oh. all the hyperneuric needles that are like on the back of the sea urchin, just they all went into my foot. Ouch. And so you can't, and the thing is, they're so delicate, you can't pull them out. You, you pull them out and they just snap you off actually, inside you, had a, you. You had a bunch in your foot, actually? Did I not show you the photo? I don't think so. Dude, I had no. like a fucking 300 of them in, my, in the bottom of my foot. No. So anyway, you can't, you can't pull them out because ah. when you pull on it, it just... You, you, you'll get what's on the outside, but it just snaps off so everything that's inside stays. So you have to the reason it? they call it a Maui tattoo is because the urchin is black. So once you've pulled all the fucking shards off, it's, it's all still inside you. And it's just, it looks like black. It looks like a really shitty tattoo. And, are they little dots? Uh, well, no, they're so, they're so small and they're so clumped together that it looks like, um, it just looks like a little splot of ink. Oh, crazy. Of black. And then, and they're hard, right? Like if you, if you took it and you, like you, you could snap it and go... Like you can hear it. Um, but anyway, that just absorbed into my body, became this like little nodule. And then like over, over a few months, I would watch it just kind of like traveling up my foot, like around my foot. And then it just kind of disappeared. Again, probably biodegradable. <laughs> Didn't really hurt me. <laughs> I don't think that's how that word works. Uh, I yeah, think it is. I think yeah. it is how is that it? works. It, it degraded <laughs> biologically <laughs> inside me. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, it was. I can't believe you did. I, I'll, I'll bring up the photo and show you after this because it's a, it's so. a pretty Maybe fucking did, gnarly picture. Um, is yeah, that what so, you do though? Like, uh, actually, now I'm genuinely curious. Like, you just like if you step on an urchin like that, you just you you do break it off and just let it let that happen. Yeah, there's not really anything you can do. Okay, like you can try to use tweezers to pull out as much of it as you can, but like oftentimes because these these little guys are, you know. Picture they they look like something out of they look like something that Mario couldn't kill, right? Because he's not yeah. allowed to jump on it, right? <laughs> the only way you could kill it is if Yoshi ate it, mm, right? And okay. then spit it back out, right? Okay. And it was some sort of like upgrade once you spit it out. But right. do, so, okay. do when you do that, does the urchin die now? Now I'm sad about it. Like you that know, like actually, when a that's a good question. I doubt or whatever, it. I doubt. I feel like dies. it's. I feel like it just goes. Oh, you just took a bunch of my like like if you stepped on a porcupine. I mean, I guess it depends on how big that porcupine is, how small it is, and how big you are. But yeah. no, like you'd step on the porcupine, you get okay. fucking stung, and it goes, here, take some of these with you, fucker. <laughs> Don't step on me again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to, um, I'm glad we got all the laughs out right there, because now we're going to move on to a story that is severely fucked up. Right on. Uh, <laughs> this comes from Jen McGee in the Discord. Jen, you also pick up a producer of the week credit. We got two producers of the week this week. Fuck it. We'll give one to Jill, too. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, why are we, we giving three, Jill one? Right? <laughs> so um, the title of this article does not do this article justice in terms of how fucked up this is. 
Brantford woman from Ontario. Brantford woman charged with defrauding, harassing Ontario doulas. Defrauding and harassing Ontario doulas. Okay. Uh, I'm also just going to put a little warning in here because like, also because CTV News also put in a warning, but this, this, uh, this story contains some details that are like pretty fucking gnarly. So I, this, like the headline alone <sighs> is like, it's, it makes me wonder this why the fuck would somebody ever want to fuck with like a doula? And here's why I'm putting this into Feel Good Friday because we've been spending, we spent a lot of, we spent a lot of time. I think we've only put one episode out so far, but uh, we spent a, a quite a bit of time in the last like couple of weeks speaking about Munchausen by proxy, mm. which is like you know kind of a fucked up like mental illness blurred line with a crime, and it's it's like it's child just, abuse. Yeah, it's just like it's all fucked up, and so. Um, we, we ended up speaking to uh, one of the lead detectives in the U.S. That episode will be coming out in a couple of weeks um, where he, he basically just focuses on Munchausen by proxy. Um, this is not that, but this, this gives me the, the same taste in my mouth that I feel when I think of Munchausen by proxy. This is like, this is that shit. So like That's, this woman is yeah. obviously fucked up. Okay. So a 24-year-old woman from Brantford, Ontario is facing dozens of criminal charges, including harassment fraud, and sexual assault after police said she sought the help of registered doulas for pregnancies and stillbirths that turned out to not even be real. Oh, that's super interesting. Caitlin Braun is alleged to have misled numerous doulas, professionals who provide support during pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum period, lying to them about being pregnant or carrying a stillborn while falsely using their surfaces, okay? This is so like, she is paying This, this is so... Dark. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean I, well, I would hope. And you know what's crazy about the, this shit? When people are, when people, whenever somebody's like carrying out an elaborate lie, like a super elaborate lie, yeah. like that. Like this, yeah. That's like, that. Dude, that, wait that, till you hear the details of how elaborate this was. That's like, man, how much shit do you got going on? Like, how, how much bored? time, how much time do you have in your <laughs> yeah, life? Yeah, right yeah, now. Like, think like about all the shit you got to do. Yeah, you must be the, daily the most bored fucking person. And like, and you're going, let me just squeeze in like a super elaborate fabrication. It would suck to be to feel anxious and stressed about like you know like I sometimes feel that way about my job. Imagine feeling that way about the thing that you like, the crazy scam that you put together. Like, yeah. oh, I fucking got to Got to go back to doing all that. I'm like, man, I got so much. That I, I got so much shit on the go. I'm like, man, how am I gonna get that? How how am I gonna get my 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 training in? You know, you know, how am I gonna like? I gotta I gotta make Zaya fucking french well, in a, toast in a way, egg, i mean in a way stuff. in a way this is kind of her training you know you know it's this crazy tra- like this is like criminal training <laughs> before 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 you get into the horrifying details that makes me really sad about this in a f- sort of kind of funny way it is like i could imagine this being like a, a skit on i think you should leave like i mean not the dark side of it but like like <laughs> like the fact that or it's like a Nathan Fielder thing, kind of. I think you should leave this so. I think you should leave this so weird that they could there could be a skit about anything on that show. <laughs> You're right, yeah, yeah. But it just it just feels like like it's such a made up thing. It's it's like it a does it's seem, like a terrible it, prank show. It does right? seem like, incredibly made like up. it's like yeah. it, like just the fact that somebody would do this sounds so outrageous that yeah. it should be. A sketch. All right. You know? So what? So so so, so a Kitchener, a Kitchener doula, uh, uh, Amy, says that she was introduced to Braun in November, 
of 2022 after Amy's colleague, another doula in Stratford, reached out for help supporting a woman who said she was pregnant with a stillborn baby after a sexual assault. So this woman was saying that the, the woman, uh, 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 the woman, Caitlin, was like, I had a, I had I was sexually assaulted. I have a, I have a I'm pregnant with a stillborn baby. She was talking to this doula and this doula was like, look, I know someone reached out to this Amy woman. And put them in touch. So Amy says what happened over the next eight days was more bizarre and more heinous than anything she's experienced in her nearly six years as a doula. She said, quote, it's much bigger than what people can even realize the wave of trauma. Uh, Amy told CTV. Um, so she offered her her services virtually, virtually for free to to Braun and even coaching her as she went through the labor that didn't happen. Whoa. She said, quote, the moans, the sounds she made were really realistic, even though the last state, even through the last stage of labor, through transition, uh, she would even go as far as to vomit, which is the normal thing, Amy said. Now, Braun even showed Amy and the other doula a photo of a stillborn baby telling them nurses at the hospital where she delivered uh, had taken it for her. And from there, Braun's story escalated. She told the woman... Uh, that had a bleeding disorder. She told the woman, she, she told the women, sorry, that she had a bleeding disorder, kept them on the phone while she allegedly underwent medical procedures and eventually claimed she had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. So here we, now we got some fucking Munchausen in here. They said, we really felt that there was an individual who was alone in the world going through something really horrible and we were just willing to put the scope of our practice aside to help her. Uh, Amy said, Adding support, adding supporting Braun around the clock through the ordeal had left them sleep deprived. But the inconsistencies started to mount <clears throat> and Amy became suspicious. At one point, we were told she was in the ICU and we could hear a small dog barking. And we made an excuse for that. You're so into it. Maybe there was someone else who was alone and their dying wish was to have a small dog. But we started hearing that dog again when she was at another location. Uh, Amy said, truly, she had just created such a big story. The details started to fall apart even for herself. Amy said that uh, her colleague eventually reported their concerns to a police crisis center. And when emergency services went to Braun's house, they found her at home perfectly healthy. She says the experience left her feeling traumatized and taken advantage of. She said, quote, a lot of doulas become loss support doulas because of their own experiences with loss. And to find that, that someone had been faking the experience they really did go through is very hurtful, very traumatizing. The police believe that there's probably more victims. Braun was arrested by Brantford police on Monday. She's now facing 32 charges ranging from criminal harassment to sexual assault. Police say the charges are related to offenses alleged to have occurred in multiple Ontario communities between June of 2022 and February of 2023. Police say they're releasing the names of the accused because investigators believe there may be more victims. I know that there are at least six victims that I'm aware of, Brantford Police spokesperson Robin Matthews Osmond said. We do anticipate there, there are more, which is why we release the names of the individuals. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Brantford Police at 519-756-7050, extension 2262, or Crime Stoppers. Uh, Braun is facing the following charges. 10 counts of criminal harassment. 12 counts of false pretenses, four counts of fraud, three counts of sex assault, and three counts of indecent acts. Dude, that is so bananas. 
How? I mean, that's right? just. I mean, it's just. A, it, it's so hard a, to like wrap your fucking it's a, head around. It is a. It is a. An. It is a severe mental illness that takes the form of, of like like really destroying somebody else's experience in life. Yeah. Like mm. that is just well, like it's, really it's, malicious. It's Munchausen. Yeah, that's Munchausen. it is Munch. It is yeah. Munchausen. Yeah. I mean, like you know, I'm just I'm trying I'm trying to like I'm trying to put myself in in the shoes of someone who like was the victim of that. So like, like right now I'm in the midst of, uh, I just started my, my death doula course and we're going to talk about it a bunch. We, I've got my friend Brooke coming on the show. She's a death doula. She took the same uh, training that I'm taking right now. And you know, it's a really heavy course and we're talking about like really serious and heavy subject matter. And it's, it's, um, you know, a big part of it is like, there, there's a beauty to death and trying to find that beauty and yada, yada. But I cannot fucking imagine what would be going through my mind, how I would feel if I somehow got roped into like being a death doula for someone who wasn't actually dying. Yeah. And and like being there to support their family who thought they were dying. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, like just I just can't. It's just so fucking you would feel really dumb. You would feel like yeah, like I mean, it would be really I, I would be really like such a violation. Like I'd feel oh so God, embarrassed yeah. that I like that I gave my time and ener- energy emotionally to this person that it sort of just tricked me. Like it would feel and like gross. we're talking, you know, as a doula, as a birth doula, working with someone who is coming to you to saying that they have a stillborn baby and they, and they got pregnant because of a sexual assault and you're giving your services for free. That's, it's that's so, hard not to like leave your emotions at the door. You know, like that, that's a, that's a hard job to do to offer your services without Without getting like, you know, even remotely emotionally attached, like I mean, it like it's takes such the, a fucked up roller coaster. It takes the Munchausen thing <clears throat> and like kind of takes it to. It's almost like this. It's almost like this, like really, really, um, like sick, but probably you know, for the person who's perpetrating this shit, successful uh, strategy to employ where you not only do you fabricate the this like illness and then shit that you're going through but you but you layer on top this like and it's because of like i was sexually assaulted it's like yeah. and that piece that piece then that piece then brings in this um this this angle where the these doulas are going to start to like like they said overlook some things that don't seem right mm. and they're going to go, okay, well this like, this is such a serious situation that like, even though <laughs> this seems like a little glitch in the matrix that I just noticed, I'm just going to go right past it mm. because like, this is such a serious situation. I just need, like, we need to just like all hands on deck. On, I, on I wonder this. what kind of time she'd be looking at. Like if she got, if she got, let's say she just got charged with every one of the charges. I have no idea. No That's, idea. That was that 12, 22, <laughs> I mean, every every one of those charges is going to carry a different thirty-two different level. Thirty-two of, uh, counts of charges. It sounds like a lot of time. It does. I mean, it's, it, it sounds like a when you add time. it all up, I feel like it can't yeah. be less than five years. Yeah. Anyway, uh, our thoughts go out to uh, anybody who who was victimized there and that, and uh, and hopefully this. That's wild. Now wash that down with a green beer because it's St. Patty's Day.
Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Well, actually, we're going to watch it down with uh, an article that uh, you sent me, Tay. Um, and uh, this is an article that I found it. I found it to be kind of interesting because I feel like we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, it reminded me of this news. Uh, this news. Um, piece that was covered on the news recently. It is that time of year when everyone seems to be getting sick, but do men suffer from worse flu symptoms than women? A new article is exploring the science behind the man flu and whether it's a legitimate <laughs> medical condition. Hmm. Sounds like Fox hmm. News. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely get worse tummy aches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a tummy ache survivor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Kyle had a couple tummy aches while uh, that baby was trying to rip out of her. Hey, man, I, you know what? I have had this... Uh, Cause Kyla, Kyla deals with, like she's got, she's got allergies. She's got a thyroid disease that she manages. Like Mm. she's got, she, she had a fucking baby. Like she's gone through so, she has gone through so much physical shit and, Mm. and, and go and like handles and manages that shit all the time that when she gets like a little sick, she just manages it so yeah. well. But isn't that, that isn't and that I, the case that she, and I don't. And so when I get a little bit yeah. sick, I'm like, life's over. But that, isn't that, that is hard? And you know what? Honestly, I think she deserves a trip to a beautiful place like Hawaii or something. <laughs> just a fucking little getaway, you know? That'd be nice. <laughs> I agree too. You should do that. Yeah. <laughs> you should do that for her. If um, you love her, you'll take her to Hawaii. So anyway, I the other thing I I wanted to say is that on is Monday. That, is that the pain <laughs> the pain threshold uh, that's really funny. Um, the, 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 I'm the, on your side, Kyla. The the threshold of pain that women feel like isn't isn't it isn't it science that women have a higher pain tolerance than men? You sound like Ron Burgundy. Isn't it science? That, that's science. Right? Leave it science. Uh, I do remember hearing that somewhere. But like, and even when you. <laughs> <laughs> But guys, actually, like I do remember reading, seeing but that, the, reading that, the, hearing that somewhere. The like period. One of pain. my senses absorbed that. I mean, yeah, they, they give birth. We don't. You know, you know when um, you know when guys wear that like period pain um yeah. test thing or whatever. That's like you you put it on. Yeah, and it, makes, that. it's, it simulates a period pain thing. You guys are so fucking dumb. Uh, that that guys can't handle the same pain tolerance as women when it comes to like the period pain. I wouldn't simulator. be surprised about that. So so I just assume that like in the same way that they have a higher pain tolerance when it comes to like physical pain like that, that the same is true with like getting sick yeah. or like having Look, a cold. I, and, I don't and, I don't want to sound like the guy that uh, isn't on the ladies' team here, but um, I bet it's a little bit more nuanced than like women have higher pain tolerances than men. Oh, I, feel like I mean, I feel like it's very much like it really depends on who the fuck you are. And well, what you've I been mean, through. yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, any, anything that you're, re- any, any, true, any, no? anything that you're reading on this, they're going like in general, yeah. in general. That's what I'm saying. They're not, they're but is not, that not yeah. true? Obviously, it matters who you are. I'm, as, as I'm asking because I know for sure true. not a single woman has a higher pain tolerance than me. Because <laughs> <laughs> mine's high. <laughs> 
Anyway, so why do why do so many men avoid doctor's visits? I know that all three of us are bad at this. Yeah, I am. And uh, this well, is a, this is an article. Well, you're you're pretty bad at it. No, but I, so, I'm pretty sure you passed out on the toilet like while you're shitting one time or something. No, no, no. You had a stomach ache. Your tummy aches really are bad. You you had such a bad tummy ache. You went unconscious, woke up, and went. I'm good. <laughs> that I, took a nap, dude. Dude, you passed <laughs> taking a nap and falling on the floor, hitting your head be, I didn't uh, from standing. You you passed out at a fire, and I gave you CPR. <laughs> yeah, and then we were and like, we, we just take you to the hospital, and you're like, no, I'm good. Still didn't go. I was good. <laughs> okay, so this is a this is a New York Times article, um, and uh, I'm just gonna kind of like summarize um, the article. In the article, the the author is discussing the phenomenon of men avoiding doctors' visits. Um, even when experiencing symptoms that should prompt them to seek medical attention, like we just, <laughs> we just uh, brought up there. Uh, the author recounts a personal anecdote about, about her father-in-law who, who delayed seeking medical care until he required brain surgery. That's pretty, that's pretty big. Um, as well as her husband, who ignored his skin abscess until it had grown to the size of a dolphin's dorsal, dorsal fin. What? <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> no, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That is, that's just the giant abscess, man. Wait, he grew a dolphin fin on his back, essentially? I mean, it depends. Didn't... If this was on his, ball, his nutsack, he, you know. He grew I guess a it was the size of a dorsal fin, fin yeah. not in the location yeah. of the dorsal fin. Uh, the author notes that while some men are diligent about seeking medical care, in 2022, a survey found that 55% of U.S. men do not get regular health screenings, with, 50, uh, with men of color being even less likely to see a doctor regularly. The article also highlights the tendency of men to avoid seeking medical care due to fear of receiving bad news or the belief that they are naturally healthier than most people. <laughs> oh, the hubris. That's um, really funny. <laughs> in contrast, women are significantly more likely to make a, an office-based visit for preventative care. The author notes that some men may shy away from discussing health issues with other men and younger men may not be conditioned to make regular doctor's visits. I mean, that's something we talked about all the, we've talked at length with like Movember, you know, this idea that like men just like, they just don't, sh they're not like open to sharing about, especially about medical stuff and especially about mental health stuff, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, the article also discusses research indicating that men who have more traditional beliefs about masculinity, okay, it's 2023 guys, are less likely to use preventative care or seek medical treatment for injuries and infections as they associate this resistance with bravery and self-sufficiency. Uh, however, as men get older, the reluctance to seek medical care has have, can have serious consequences as men die younger than women. And some of the leading causes of death are conditions that doctors screen for during routine checkups. Dude, I would say my reluctance to see a doctor now for things is the fact that, one, I don't have a family doctor, and two, the healthcare system here is mm. fucked. I think for me it's laziness. And I'm not trying to be funny. I think for me, it is, I, I, I think that it kind of similar to what we were talking about with uh, uh, the episode that came out uh, as this is coming out two days ago, the, the Wednesday episode that dropped this week with Iris Scorfinkel is that I try to, I try to really be uh, like discriminatory as to whether I need to go and like take up that time. Like, it, like, is it, am I going because I'm just, I'm just worried and I want somebody to, to, I want somebody to tell me that I'm okay or do I really need to go? And, and, and I, and oftentimes sometimes I, that line can be pretty blurry. Sometimes yeah. that line can be blurry, yeah. but I'm not, but I can, I can say pretty confidently that I'm not going because of 
some subconscious like you know slight on my masculinity or a feeling right. of weakness or something like that it's it's just that i'm going is this something that I need to use my time and a doctor's time to figure out? Or is this something that I can like reasonably like with, with, with a, with a reasonable degree of certainty say like, this is either, you know, a momentary thing that I'm experiencing, something that I can treat myself with whatever a Tylenol. But I think the healthcare system is supposed to have options for you to be able to do that in a reasonable way where like, like so, for example, I don't, I don't disagree have, with you, yeah. but that's not the case. No, and and I I agree with that from the perspective of like I don't have a family doctor, so my like I either go to a walk-in clinic and see a doctor that I don't know at all, and hope that their opinion on like without knowing my medical history and in Ooh. like in me having to explain my medical history in you know five minutes to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm can diagnose whatever I have or, or give like, tell me if I'm okay or not. Um, and without that, with, with the next option basically being going to the ER and like, Which that seems like, unreasonable yeah. for like being curious about like, like if I have a mole on my arm then I'm like, I should probably get this checked out. I'm not going to go to the emergency room to check that out. No. But also a walk-in clinic probably isn't going to be able to help me. So like, where do I go? Like, what do I do? No, I think a walk-in clinic, I mean, for that perspective, I understand a walk-in clinic can be like less than ideal. For that particular example, I think a walk-in clinic could do a, a good job at going, uh, yeah, this, like, you should see a specialist about this. And they'd give you a referral. Right. Yeah. But think- there are definitely certain things that you're like, you walk in and, and you're like, you know, you don't know anything about me. We're meeting for the first time. Yeah. Like, how helpful could you really be? I think uh, I think one thing that's like, you know, a little piece of advice for anybody who's like even nervous or or kind of questioning, like, do I really need to put the time into this? Or if you're lazy like myself, um, you know, telehealth, if there's telehealth available in your city where you live, or, I mean, I don't know, I feel like telehealth is like, if, if you have internet, telehealth seems like a, a viable option. Um, how do we know, though? Like, how do I know? How do I access I have that? telehealth through my uh, specifically, I mean, this is very specific to me, but like, and me and uh, many other Canadians that are in my position, as a tele, uh, as a telus business mobile phone user. Really? How do you access it? Do you uh, yeah, it's just an app on your on your iPhone. Really? Yep. Uh, you know, and it's, it's free. It's free to have, and you just sign up, and you can use it at any point. It's fucking great. I feel like I, you know what? It's interesting. Three one one or what? Eight one one. has been. I've only used it a couple like times. A great option here. I don't know what your eight one one is. Wherever you know, wherever you live, wherever that is, like you I think can it's eight one one across Canada. But, but thinking about this now, like Nurses we host a health phone podcast phone. where we're talking about this stuff, like like for three hours plus a week, and I don't know what options I yeah. have for well, the reason is because we spent the first 20 minutes of the show talking about Pepto-Bismol making a ship black. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, right, so, yeah. so next week we'll do a, did you know about telehealth? How about that? Well, I mean, we should do a, did you know about how you can access yeah. Yeah. healthcare? But I think, but I think like to, to the, to what we were, to, to, the, to what at least I was describing earlier, which was going me, me going like running like an analysis on whether it is, uh, whether it is required or worthwhile to go see a doctor based on what I'm might be going through, a one one, I've only used it a few times, but every time I've used it, I've gone. That was surprisingly helpful and surprisingly quick. Yeah. What happens when you call eight one one? I have no uh, idea. You, you, uh, you nurse describe to a nurse what's going on with you and says, "Hey, what are you doing? What what's going on? What are you wearing?" And you don't you go, say. Oh wait, well, sorry. Did you say eight one one or or one eight hundred wet puss? <laughs> I'm that's sorry, I, I blanked out there. I was looking at some of the computer. <laughs> Are we talking about eight one one? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. they will. They, that's a, that's a, a nurse will pick up. 
and they and you tell you just describe to them what's going on and they'll and and they they more or less will say <laughs> hey it sounds like you could go and see it because they they always err on the side of caution so they're always like they're always like you could go to the emergency room if you're feeling concerned but they always say that but they're pretty good at giving you a fairly honest opinion as to like how you can kind of read between the lines like they're 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 gonna go they're gonna go yeah you're you're not in an immediate we I, we don't get the sense that you're in an immediate uh you know danger dude honestly like i'm just gonna use advice. uh chat gpt now but because like it probably yeah, works pretty best well. of luck with that <laughs> um <laughs> all right let's move on to uh a very very fascinating article um, that I believe was also brought to us by Stina. So thank you, Stina. You're on a roll this week. Um, are you guys familiar with uh, nuclear disasters? I am. Oh, yeah. How about uh, Chernobyl? Chernobyl. Specifically Chernobyl? Specifically Chernobyl. The most iconic nuclear disaster I mean, I watched of the all show. time. Yeah, well, if you're not familiar, Chernobyl uh, was a nuclear disaster that uh, took place on April 26, 1986. Um, it was not good. It was definitely no. It was definitely not, not good. Um, but the dogs of Chernobyl mm. are now genetically different than other dogs in the world. That makes sense. Like for the better or for the worse? Well, why don't you tell me? Look at this little guy. Oh. I mean, they, I don't know. Looks, maybe they've... Uh, looks pretty cute, maybe though. They, maybe they developed a, um, some type of uh, genetic resistance to uh, radiation poisoning. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, so they, they, oh, they all have two buttholes. <laughs> that is cool. Just joking. Although the dogs of Chernobyl are genetically distinct, uh, to others, they're still very, although the dogs of Chernobyl are genetically distinct to others, they are still very good boys. That's oh, that's, the, that's good. the title of this article. So new research has studied hundreds of the freewheeling dogs that roam the ruins of the Chernobyl disaster, uh, nuclear power plant disaster site. And found that exposure to radiation may have made them genetically distinct from other dogs elsewhere in the world. So again, following the disaster in 86, around 120,000 people living in the surrounding area and nearby city of uh, Pripyat were forced to evacuate and abandon their homes. This includes many pet dogs who, against all odds, managed to establish a sturdy population that still lives in the irradiated land that surrounds the decaying power plant. In a new study, uh, scientists looked to gain a deeper understanding of the unusual dog populations living around Chernobyl in light of the, the harsh environmental contamination that many are exposed to on a daily basis. With the help of blood samples collected from the stray animals between 2017 and 2019, they genetically analyzed 302 dogs from populations living within the power plant itself. That sounds within dangerous. the power plant. Yeah. These I mean, dogs are crazy. I, I, I don't want to like. I don't. I don't. Look at these boys. I could be. Um. I could be like. Oh, I don't kind of look like Tigme, but big. I don't think I'm big uh, me. Big me. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> that's funny. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'm wrong about this. I I watched a Veritasium uh, video where he he went to Chernobyl and he was doing like radiation 
I remember that. Uh, that was an amazing video. There's really like we had the uh, the the Geiger, Geiger counter. Yeah, there's, going. there's really like and then he found a he found a cache in the ground and he opened it up. There was <laughs> yeah. nuclear rods worth seventeen k. Yeah, he found two, yeah. two, two, two several ones, yeah. and yeah. then he and a, and, a, and a document, a and note, he, and then he exfilled successfully. Um, a little bit of Call of Duty speak. He um, the 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 radiation is only like radiation outside of uh, like a few rooms in the in the building and then obviously the reactors that they built right. the dome over. Right. But, but like, I think it's, I think it's like, like, like the, the it's the cool. If you're there for like a very tossing video where you're there for a couple of days, <laughs> but like, if you're like, no, I'm pretty I sure live here in the dome, in the dome. Well, no, it's you can't live in the fun. dome. No, but I leave. Is the leave, dome breaking down? It's the elephant. No, foot. it's made. It it's, called the it's, made foot? it's made to, uh, it's made to be there for a hundred years. So it'll be there for another, it thought, was. It was. It's not that old. I thought there was risks of uh, of it like um, decaying or something, or, or opening up or something. It's made to be. Moment. It's made to be like covered again in uh, in another like eight, like ninety years or something like that. But how long is it? Is it fucked there for? Millions and trillions no, of years. No, I, guys, and don't 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 quote me on this, but I'm we I'm won't. pretty <laughs> sure that this is true. I, I'm pretty sure, like, if they wanted to repopulate. The town, they could, and there'd be no issues. It's, I'm sure it's, some people's pee would sting and like stuff like that. No, like I'm pretty sure that is the misconception is that there is a is that it is like a that is it's it's not a dangerous surrounding area to be in. It's like you obviously don't want to go into the um, the the rooms in the plant, and you don't want to be hanging around the dome where the reactors are. But like the surrounding area that they evacuated could 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 i think safely be repopulated scientists have previously previously said due to the huge amount of contamination in the chernobyl area the exclusion zone will not be habitable habitable for habitable. many habitable thank you uh, for many many years experts have said it will be at least 3000 years for the area to become safe while others believe this to be too optimistic it is thought that the reactor site will not become uh, habitable ha- habitable that's the word is so hard for me ha- habitable Again, for at least 20,000 years, according to a report in 2016. Yeah, the reactor, that, that's the, that's the reactor, reactor site. site. But they're also saying that the, the um, what's it called? The, the, uh, area, the exclusion the, zone? Yeah. They're saying 3,000 years. I wonder, how, I wonder what, that, like, what the size of that is. Habitable for I mean, humans, because we know the dogs are thriving. Well, the dogs are killing it, dude. Yeah, the dogs so, are so wait, I didn't even get to that point. So, <laughs> so the dogs are living inside the power plant, and they're licking the fucking elephant's foot or whatever that thing is. And, and as well, and they also were testing the dogs that were about 14 to 15 to 45 kilometers from the disaster site. Okay, so just by looking at the DNA like of the an dogs. an aisle of dogs in there. Living yeah, right. close to Chernobyl. <laughs> it was clear that they were genetically different from the pets living elsewhere in the world, which the researchers believe is a reflection of the ionizing radiation they've been exposed to for generations. Um, in total, the new research found that this population contains 15 complex family structures that were unique compared with other dogs. However, it's also clear that the dogs move around the different areas and breed freely with one another. So these dogs are just walking around, fucking, sniff each other's butts, pissing on on all the same stuff. All the same <laughs> stuff. I mean, like, I was gonna say pissing on um fire hydrants, but I doubt they had many fire hydrants because they really fucking bungled up that disaster <laughs> and didn't put that fire out very quick, did they? <laughs> they didn't. They no, really bungled it. They let it. that thing fucking burn. They bungled it bad. 
Um, I think the most remarkable. <laughs> I think the most remarkable. Severely bungled. <laughs> I think the most remarkable thing about the study is that we identify populations of dogs living in and in the shadow of a of a reactor, and we can tell who's dog who's the who those dogs are just by looking at their DNA profile. To think of families living in places like near like near spent fuel rods is incredible and speaks to the resilience of dogs as a species. Humans would have no chance, no chance whatsoever. That's what the person said. Humans are done for. Dogs reign. All hail the dog. There's, there's <laughs> articles going in a weird place here. We also found that the dogs living in the exclusion zone are now likely descendants of pets from people that fled the area when the explosion happened. We can see the history of those pets etched in the DNA of dogs living in the exclusion zone today. Um, by the latest count, up to 800 semi-feral dogs have been living in the land around Chernobyl, including the highly contaminated areas such as Chernobyl's new safe conf- uh, confinement. Structure. You guys ever seen um, Homeward Bound? Yeah, it would be like a a good sequel to Homeward Bound. Would be like the Chernobyl edition. Yeah, like following the dogs yeah. from the honestly, dude. Fled. Like I, I, I would love to. Uh, it would be so amazing to rescue one of those dogs and bring it home. And then like, cause my dad, my dad, when we, when like, when I had, my, when I was growing up, my dad really, my dad really like his lawn, like he was big on like keeping the lawn green. Your dad was a rad dad. My dad was a fucking <laughs> rad dad for sure. Yeah, it's a rad dude, green ass, dude, shoes, green ass shoes, green ass long and loved his pool, you know? Um, dude, that's a dad. And, <laughs> and when I bring Bigby over, he'd be like, don't let him piss on the grass. Cause it, cause it'll burn. It like burns the grass. Yeah. Dude. So where's the where's he supposed to, but where's he supposed to pee though? I know that's it's like dogs piss on grass. Can you imagine what would happen if one of if this boy came over and pissed on my dad's grass? Dude. Look at all that grass, dude. That's all been pissed on. That's what my dad's fucking lawn would look like. <laughs> ah, that's so funny, um, dude. Do you follow Rad Dad? Yeah, dude, I love okay, it. Fantastic. Yeah. Follow, everybody should follow Rad Dad. Uh, the next stage of this study will involve increasing our magnification to the level of the entire genome and its architecture. Once again, I can't empathize how revolutionary this is. We've been able to do this kind of study for hu- we 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 have been able to do this kind of study for humans and lab and animals where budgets are high. We are now at the stage where this technology can be applied to just about any system in any place. Uh, added Tim Musso, study author and professor of biology sciences at the University of South Carolina. Don't you guys feel like kind of cool? Like you, so like say they learn this about dogs and they're like, hey, we can find out what makes dogs so resilient to like. Nuclear radiation. You're resilient to nu- Don't you think nuclear radiation, buddy. That they should just be able to find out whatever that is in dogs and make humans be it. Well, yeah. So I think the next, the I, next, isn't I, that how I, science works? I don't want to. I don't want to. Next part is breeding like human dog hybrids. I don't want to hammer on about this yeah. because I I can't actually remember where where I. If you're gonna go into this fucking this. thing that we can live, we can all just go to Chernobyl and live a happy life. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just said it. I know. Three thousand years, but dude. But Exclusion like, zone. My brain is remembering some, some like oddly specific things that I'm going. I, I must have. Maybe you I dreamt must, it. I'm, I must have uh, looked into this fucking quite a bit. If I, if I, if I'm remembering a fucking fact this specific, I think it's, it was something. I, hold on one second. I it, think it was something like. It was something like. If you you are going to fact, you are going to be exposed to like a similar amount of radiation in if you were to live in like the surrounding area of Chernobyl, like not at the site, obviously, but like <laughs> as you would living in an X-ray machine. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, as you as you would if you were like a like a like a extremely frequent um, flyer. 
because you get exposed to way more radiation when you fly because of the uh, because of where you are in the atmosphere. Right, but it's and, a, like a and it's really not good. Small it's not and it's not good. Like you're you're exposed to it. You're exposed to way more radiation than than you are. That like the the radiation is expressed in like what you are, what you are allotted per year safely. And if you are like if you're somebody like like Jeff who fucking flies what about a pilot hundred times a year or a pilot <laughs> like you are you are exposing yourself to like many times more radiation than than what than what like the CDC would allot as like a safe amount to be exposed to in a year. And I think that it's like not living in Chernobyl is not a dissimilar amount of radiation. Mm. So it's like it's not like. It's, for sure. So that's You're what sure I'm saying. That. That's what I'm saying. So I, I, no, I'm not going to say for sure, but I, I that's what I'm remembering that I'm remembering it being compared to yeah. something being a pilot is worse than living in Chernobyl or the I, same. Headline, Sick Boy yeah, podcast yeah. Yeah, confirms. That's, that's going to be a, the title of this episode. <laughs> uh, so how long until Chernobyl is completely safe? It depends on the part of Chernobyl you're talking about, but the, the highly publicized number is 20,000 years. But that refers specifically to the elephant's foot. Yeah, living on the most radioactive piece, like setting up that's a inside setting the react- up a, that's inside the reactor setting up itself. a tent on yeah. on a nuclear yeah. fuel so reactor in, in core. A, in a broader sense, was. in a broader sense, it's hard to pin down how long it will be until Chernobyl is completely safe. Experts estimate anywhere from twenty years to several hundred years, <laughs> because the contamination levels are not consistent in the surrounding areas. So it's just like. To be safe, never. Just don't ever go back there. Let's fucking wall it <laughs> off. It's over. Fucking let the dogs rain. <laughs> All right, okay, folks. let the dogs have it. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. That was really fun. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can uh, come on over to the Discord where you can you can get a sweet uh, producer credit. Like we handed out three of them today. Um, that's big. I don't think we've ever done that. And they're those are hard to come by. And also, they're worth they're worth something. So now you know, ladies um, and uh, and Jen. Now that you have those. Take them, sell them, mm. and make bank. Yeah, so, just like how corporations sell their uh, buy green credits to offset their CO two emissions. That's right. So if you want uh, to make some uh, moolah, come on over to the. Discord. We've also been toying with this idea, and let us know um, by email maybe if you agree with this. But we were thinking about taking those producer credits, and then if you earn a certain amount of them. You can then actually bring other people into the Discord server, and if you refer them in, they come in under you. And if they get a producer credit, then you actually benefit from that by getting more credits yourself. And then, if mm-hmm. that person then brings someone in, then you can get also a part of their. Producer and if you start credits. to think about it, it's like you're at the top, and then, and then there's a few people under you. This sounds like a rug pull, and then. <laughs> It sounds like a rug fall. <laughs> and underneath each of those people, there's a few people. And so, like, the base keeps getting wider. Yeah. If you want to join, Stina's network's getting pretty full, but I think somebody <laughs> that Stina brought in under her is uh, uh, doing Leave a well rating say. review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating on the Spotify the mobile app. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to see you in the Discord. It's fun over there. It's fun. Yeah, and um, if you want to sit down and have a coffee, I've got a really good, great business opportunity that I'd love to speak with you, <laughs> with you about. Have you been um, in the market? Have you been in the market for Tupperware? Guys, did you know that there's somebody in our Discord named Cloud, and then there's somebody also named Clouds? It's really sweet. I did not know that. I, also, I love that because That's Cloud a- is my favorite video game character of all time, Cloud Strife. From Fantasy, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy VII. Um, and uh, let us know. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. Send us a send us a DM over on Instagram, and um, 
And if you want to be a guest on the show, then absolutely go over to the website, click on that button that Brian's so proud of um, that will bring you to fill out the guest form. The button feels good to click. Have you guys clicked that button? (laughs) Does No, I haven't, but um, Brian uh, got a creamy keyboard. I did get a keyboard, yeah. I'll press it right Uh, now, Brian. How good does that feel? It feels pretty good to click that, doesn't it? Uh, if you want to see what Jared's talking about, Uh-oh. like Taylor said, head to sickboypodcast.com. Thanks, as always, to the folks who help make this show a possibility. Uh, Jeff Lonis, our manager, we love you. And Richard Coyne, uh, thank you so much for the theme music. And uh, yeah. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.